Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. I'm Zach Brittle. I'm here with Laura Heck. We are here today together with Jessica Baum, who has written a book called Anxiously Attached. You know, sometimes you find people who come into your life Um, with exactly the right message at exactly the right time. And that was my experience of this interview. Jessica's microphone isn't amazing, but her message is uh, spot on and really touches on some things that are kind of universal for a lot of us and specific for some of us. I am sure that she will blow your mind once or twice, maybe three times during this conversation. You can learn more about Jessica at her website, which is called beselfful.com. That's B-E-S-E-L-F-F-U-L-L.com where you can learn more about her book, which is coming out real soon. It's always helpful to authors to pre-order their books. So please do that, particularly if you have any inclination to try and address um, your own or a loved one's uh, anxious attachment style in your world. This is a very cool conversation. Stick around. Jessica Baum, hi. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Laura decided to join us. She's, she's oh, nice. Hi. Hi, Jessica. <laughs> so I'm in, I'm in Bend, Oregon. Where are you at right now? I'm in West Palm Beach, Florida. Okay, look at that. And how's that going? Is Florida how's Florida right now? It's an interesting place to be in the world right now. It's um, it's got its pros and its cons. I'd say definitely through COVID because I could be outside so much. Mm-hmm. You know, it it's been um, an easier lifestyle to live, but it's also been like politically a little bit of a nightmare. So mm-hmm. pros and cons. Well, of course, for us too, like being in the Pacific Northwest, Florida is literally the opposite part of the country, mm-hmm. and also just the stories that we get filtered are so bizarre. Sometimes there's a whole meme. I'm uh-huh. sure you understand Florida man. Florida man. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love that. We both know about that. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, um, have you already had Jessica introduce herself? Cause I want to hear. Okay. No, we're just waiting right. for you. We're just doing <laughs> So I so. want to hear, you know, like professionally what you're up to, but I also want to know like what, what lights a spark for you? What are you passionate mm-hmm. about that may not, may or may not be professional? <sighs> wow. Um, you want me, you want me to share a little bit about me, like mm-hmm. my bio a little and then. Okay, Absolutely. Well, we, How do you- here's what we, here's, here's the deal. We are. <laughs> 
<laughs> amateurs. We all we do. We're good friends, Laura and I. Um, we've known each Sometimes other for about ten years. Better Sometimes friends than others. That's true. <laughs> um, we're probably more like brother and sister. Mm-hmm. We um, we've been doing this for a few years, and literally all we do is jump on the microphone and start talking about whatever mm-hmm. it is that we care about. And mm-hmm. sometimes we get to talk to really cool people who are interesting. And I said before you got on, Laura, I'm obsessed right now with learning more about attachment because I it's just not an area of strength for me, like to do in in my office. So I do want to hear about you, Jessica, but I don't want to just hear about like your, your, like what you do and who you are. I want to know like who you are, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I am many things. I am a psychotherapist. Obviously you guys know that I've been in private practice for 15 years, but I would say, who am I? I am like kind of a mystic. I always am one of those people who wants to see what's like underneath what the surface not just psychologically, but like metaphysically in life, I'm obsessed with the things that we can't see and knowing more about what we can't see. And um, so I have a very deep side to me. I, I wouldn't say that I'm religious, but I'd say I'm pretty spiritual. I love that. Um, and I try to surrender to the lessons in life as hard as they are. There's many that keep rolling at, at me. Um, it's an ongoing process. I'm from New York City originally, born and raised. I struggled with anxiety and depression um, throughout my life and some codependency, which actually led me to read every single health self-help book in the world. Mm -hmm. You know, some really spoke to me, but then I I realized that I needed to write something that is what I wish I had gotten when I was younger. So something that really incorporated the body and the sensations I was experiencing so I wouldn't say I'm a natural writer. I've had a lot of support, but, um, you know, I just feel like my passion right now, I've been really successful and now I'm a state supervisor. So it's helping other clinicians grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have five in my practice and I, you know, I, I like now helping case management and keep like working on bigger cases with people and helping see other people grow. Um, I'm working on another book, but I'm also into yoga nidra, mysticism, raising your conscious awareness, um, anything art related. I take an art class every week. Um, my dog, I'm obsessed with my dog. So yeah, <laughs> me too. Basically, you got like the, that's like the 411 on a little bit of everything. That was great. Mm-hmm. Love it. Yeah. I, I'm curious, Zach, like why you got a big smile. You, you were just listening to some of the things that Jessica's into and like you just like got the biggest, slowest smile. Um, I don't know. I think I, I, I like talking to people who aren't like me. I'm listening mm-hmm. to you rattle off this stuff and I'm like, nope, I don't. Nope. Not that. No, uh-huh, and Laura uh-huh. will tell you I'm not I'm not a dog guy. I have had to spend, I don't know, four or five nights at Laura's house and uh, mm-hmm. she has a dog that I don't even speak to. So, yeah. <laughs> That's my buddy. He doesn't even acknowledge his presence. I'm showing you a picture of him because Dash misses you, Zach. Is that a photograph or is that your actual? No, dog? that's that's Dash. Oh. He's on my on my oh. couch. So you wrote didn't this even book. acknowledge him. Unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. Um, you wrote this book called Anxiously. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Sorry, this is the other reason I smiled. I the book that the book people should write is the book that they never had is the book they want to read. Right. So I love that you did that, but talk to me about then the book you, you wrote this book because 
I wrote this book. I'm dyslexic, so let's just put it away. I'm like maybe a masochist at heart because <laughs> it's my hardest medium. And mm-hmm. I remember starting to write blogs and getting an editor and realizing I had this couple come see me from Miami. So they came like two hours away and they read one of my blogs. And I said, how did you find me? And why are you coming? And they came to me for two years. And they're like, because we read your blog. And I, I soon realized that even though I'm not a great writer with a great editor, my message needs to be shared. Mm. And so it just kind of clicked for me, even though it's a super hard medium that I have really great ideas and thoughts that I want to get out to the world. And I'm not going to let my dyslexia stop me. So I just, I started writing and to be honest, I didn't know I was writing what I was seeing in my office Mm -hmm. and what I had seen work in my office, but also what I had been through personally. And I didn't know exactly what the book was going to be for the first Mm -hmm. year of writing. I had a college, an amazing college student edit me and help me just edit me every day for a whole year until I kind of collected enough information. And then I went through so many transformational process in writing the book. Um, So yeah, then I had to get an agent and I was rejected for a long time. And, you know, I just knew I had to get this message out to the world. And eventually everything was in alignment. But it was the more I let in the right support, um, the more I landed where I needed to land, which is ironically a big message in healing this attachment style. It's not about doing anything really on your own. It's about depending on dependable people to build, you know, neuroplasticity and the rewiring that you need and internalizing the right support to become more secure from within. So my book is such a metaphor, the process of my book. I was alone. I was thinking it was going to come out of a cabin with this, you know, manuscript and romanticized it. It was dreadful and horrible. And the more I like kind of surrendered to letting people in, I've let so many other professionals in and editors in to help me and give me feedback. And the more the book became the book when I started to lean on the right people. Wow. That's uh, there you go. Zach's an amazing writer and he's, he's on, he yeah, <laughs> he's on operation blue check. And I think, you know, he would love, um, love to be published by, well, well I don't we'll know. See. Yeah. I uh, know I have a book in me yeah. that I'm excited to write, but I'm not doing it. I've written twice for free and I'm, I'm not doing it until somebody's like you, uh, the world needs that book and I will fund it, which I know uh-huh. is like a pipe dream. Well, you, but, you and I should have a talk like off record about, a proposal. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um, Okay. (laughs) I actually just really want to hear you talk about your content, right? So Mm -hmm. I, I went through and I got started and I was like, I just need to write all of this stuff down because a, um, this idea of anxious attachment is showing up everywhere in my life, showing up in my house. Um, I have a 19 year old daughter who is Mm -hmm. uh, really having a hard time kind of trying to piece together her, sense of self, but then also like in my actual office, I, you can tell me, but I think, uh, if people were inclined to be anxiously attached or, uh, you know, to have attachment struggles of any sort, COVID exacerbated that, right. COVID sort of made it harder for them to feel connected. And so now that we're coming out, I'm getting a lot more people in my office who are just like, ah, and don't know what to do. And I'm interested to understand, like, how do you, what do you offer them? Well, it's interesting. I think, you know, I I did just write an article around how COVID really impacted this population. And I think mask wearing and lack of contact and long distance relationships and social distancing is like everything an anxious person's nightmare because Mm -hmm. their whole system is geared towards getting closeness and getting back into connection. And so many people have had to learn other ways of self-regulating or self-soothing. And for an anxious person, sometimes they don't even 
have that. So I, I, I agree with you. I don't think COVID has been helpful in any ways, except maybe there's been a spiritual shift in learning some other resources, or mm. maybe it got so bad where they were able to get some help. Um, and I forgot what the question was really about. Was it about COVID or you well, it's about it? what do we offer? What do we offer people who are, who are struggling? I mean, I think that's the, that's where, go ahead. Can I, yeah, I just wanted to interject because I, for folks who are listening, we know what attachment is all about, but I think it might be good just to give a baseline of what attachment, like what is this lens that you're looking at with individuals? Because it would be helpful for folks to be like, oh, that's totally me. I am totally anxiously attached. Um, Rather than kind of jumping into like, what do we do for someone more like, well, how do you know if you are securely attached, anxiously attached or avoidantly attached or, you know, sure. sure. So, yeah, I mean, if you're listening, um, first of all, attachment is a two way street. So you can have a baseline and there are plenty of tests and there's a lot of scientific proof that, um, you know, where your baseline is might be where it shows up in the relationship, but who you partner with, these are going to exacerbate that, or they mm-hmm. might offer a, plat- a path to healing. And so, you know, the most of the population, it's like 56% is securely attached. Mm-hmm. And that just means that your mom was a really decent co-regulator and really attuned to your needs or your primary caregiver was a good co-regulator. And that there was a sense of embedded safety in you in terms of someone's there for me if I cry or reach out I'm getting my needs met and you're in this beautiful dance with your caregiver where you start to trust that um, people are safe and you're going to get your needs met now there's varying degrees and we love uh, labels but if you're someone who got a little bit more inconsistency in your early developmental years and in your caregiving years um, you're someone who might grow up waiting for the shoe to drop or feeling mm-hmm. like you're not going to get enough or um, contact disconnection is incredibly painful for everyone. But your way of coping is to run towards that person and to get back into connection. You have mm-hmm. more anxiety around conflict. You might be more hypervigilant. Um, your, your abandonment wound lives a little bit larger in your amygdala. So you're more primed um, to look out for cues of abandonment, both inner and outer cues of abandonment. So through neuroception, you're always scanning the environment unconsciously and consciously. And then if you are someone who are a little bit more avoidant, those are, those are usually, there are two ways you can become that. And one of the ways is your parents in true emotional, um, lack of emotional intelligence, just because maybe they were more focused on, um, success and didn't really tune into emotions that well that the mirror neurons in you and the residency circuits didn't get built. And so you become more focused on success and, um, you know, different things in life and you're not as attuned and your uh, capacity for empathy isn't as big. So you often are in relationships and you, you can be perceived as a selfish one when really you're lacking um, some of the abilities for that kind of attunement. Mm. Or you could be smothered, which is really another form of anxiety, but like your needs were like, you were smothered so much so that when someone who is anxious is approaching you, you want to avoid that. And that's really kind of a protector. And I wouldn't say a traditional, someone who's traditionally avoidant. So there's, you know, it's important to know that anywhere you fall, it's a spectrum and there are embedded patterns Mm -hmm. and there are, you know, there are indicators that you might fall into that pattern and who you partner with because it is, and you can take on both your parents' Um, attachment style like you can take on the anxiety from your mom and the absence from your dad and so those 
protectors and, and patterns show up in every relationships and we all want to have categories, but a really anxious person can have avoidant protectors too. So just knowing where you land and what you do when you're scared, do you run towards mm-hmm. to try to fix or do you run away and kind of starting to not look at it as, you know, a label, but like kind of how do I protect myself when I'm scared? When am I really scared of? Am I scared of intimacy? Am I scared of abandonment? When does that get touched and how do I respond to that in my relationship can start to give you um, some insight to the embedded patterns. Okay. So a follow-up question that I have is, is this unconscious? Stop right there for a second, Laura. You can go back to follow-up question I have. That is my 19 year old blowing up my phone because she is so anxiously attached right now. And like, I'm like, I have to take some like baby girl, deep breaths, deep breaths. So in real time, I'm like wanting to collect all this wisdom, but also like, uh, what do we do? Anyway, just sorry to have jumped out like that, but that was, uh, um, your daughter. I know I was she's like, in a spot. So yeah. I was like, I think you have an emergency cause you never pick yeah. up your phone ever. She's in a spot. So Aww. anyway, I'm sorry about that. Um, um okay. So the question, question I wanted to ask, yeah. The question, follow-up question I wanted to ask yeah, that's is about it being subconscious or conscious. And I guess in a sense of, um, can you think your way out of your attachment? Basically, like I think no. of, right. Like, okay. Did you just Ta- say straight you, up? No, you just no. said no. She just said no. Okay. Oh, can you, yeah. can you say more about that? Because I think that's important to understand is, um, kind of where this lies as part of who you are. Cause I, it's like, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to think myself into secure attachment or I'm just going to, I can change my attachment or I, I don't know. Like, can you think your way out of it? No. And so I think, you know, as a therapist, a psychotherapist, I mean, everybody's seeing the shift and this was a big, important part of the book is the trauma, let's call it trauma, the embedded patterns live in the body. They don't live in the brain. Mm. And your automatic nervous system is going to go flight, flight, freeze, fawns, shut down no matter what. And we have no control over our automatic nervous system. So can you become conscious of your nervous system when it's reacting? Absolutely. Can you start to form dual, dual awareness? Absolutely. Can you start to identify that it's reacting to fear that might not be happening in the present moment and bring that to someone to hold mm-hmm. and integrate it? Yes. And you can heal, but all of that takes time. So you can change your embedded patterns. You can build neuroplasticity and you can heal, but it's not from thinking differently. Mm-hmm. Having the knowledge and the wisdom starts to shift you so you can make sense of your adaptations and your embedded trauma, but you're going to still experience those cues due to neuroception and your awareness around your internal experience starts the shift, but it's, it's still an embodied experience versus a logical experience. Mm -hmm. This is something that was created as the foundation of who you are and how you show up in this world and how you feel connected to others around you and your safety Um, and okay. All right. So that's starting to make sense. I've had, I've had some clients recently that are swearing up and down that they are, they are securely attached and, Mm. uh, they say it to my face and I'm like, they're, they're thinking their way through this of like, I, if I think I'm securely attached, I can be securely attached. And my thought process is not based on the way that you're reacting or responding to some of these, uh, cues in your environment it's it's saying otherwise there's other things going on well i feel like there's two parts too particularly in a couples therapy office which is like okay so you have this condition of your body 
that is making it hard to be in relationship. And that needs attention. It needs, a, needs to be addressed. Like, I think you talk a lot about understanding self, which I, I'm a huge proponent of and healing core wounds also, but that takes time. And here I am in relationship with somebody who's right across the couch from me. What, what is the, what's the space or place for couples to be able to, I mean, like your sort of your life partner to be able to offer you anything in the midst of this sort of longer term, slow and steady work. Mm. Um, so that your partner can offer you everything. And mm. the thing is, is what happens is it's unconsciously, there's a lot of rewounding. Mm-hmm. So rewounding. You know, Mm-hmm. Rewounding, yeah, re- repeating the same patterns and the same themes over and over again. And I think, you know, and Harville Hendricks, I'm pretty sure Gottman agrees with this too, but your core wounds are going to come up in any relationship mm-hmm. that you're dealing with. And this wonderful person who took them away is now the same person that you're reenacting them out with. So it can be very painful and confusing. But getting conscious about that gives you an opportunity to heal on one or both sides. Um, if you're not, if you're in a relationship where one person doesn't want to do the work and you want to do the work, you can bring what comes up in the relationship to a therapist. And hopefully if that therapist is good. They're not going to make what you're bringing to them about your partner because it's never about your partner. It's about what your partner is waking up inside of you. And, you know, we live in a culture where we want to blame, project and blame. And we can, you know, as therapists, we want to validate that there's a good degree of this that's happening in the here and now. But you wouldn't have these big sensations and you wouldn't have this pain if it wasn't an implicit memory, if it wasn't old, if it wasn't activating something deep within you. So no matter where you are in your relationship journey, you can take what you've experienced inside those relationships as a mirror into where your wounds are. And you can heal those with any safe person who's non-judgmental and can be in that space and kind of knows what they're doing, or you can heal those in your relationship. You just might need another person to help hold that space so that you don't, you don't shift into the unconscious parts and just start projecting and blaming. And and that can be a painful cycle without someone helping two wounded people. You know, there's a domino effect going on. Mm -hmm. Oh man. I'm thinking about a couple that's literally in my office yesterday and they're, 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 acting out exactly what you're describing. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it's painful. It's a painful loop for sure. The, the language that I hear most couples use is this, um, we just keep triggering each other. We're just like, I, I say something, I do something and it triggers something in him and then he responds and then it triggers something in me and we just keep activating each other. And that's where I see these two, you know, the childhood wounds uh, where they just continue. That's the language that couples are using is it's just we just keep triggering each other and we get into this vicious cycle. Yeah. Bonnie, she wrote, Bonnie, I mess up her her name, but she wrote um, Loving with the Brain and Mind and Heart of Trauma. She's been a huge impact on me and I'm doing her training right now and I'm working on reframing the word trigger to awakened Mm. because I think awakened because okay. when you think about it trigger, trigger just means trauma and there's shame at least for me attached to it but in my own work and in the book and in what i've learned is that if it's being triggered it's awakening an old part of you so mm-hmm. you can heal with it heal it attend to it and start to understand it differently and so it's good when it's coming up it's just not great when it's coming up and we're not seeing that this lives inside of you and it's surfacing so we can be with it differently and our partner can be with it differently or we can start to explore it 
it's so painful, the first reaction is fight flight, right? So the first reaction is going to be, let's blame the person that is causing me pain versus let's look at what this person is waking up, waking up inside of me that is painful. And I think making that shift is a lot of work. And I can say that personally, um, I've had to make that shift. And I think it takes, it's one thing to know it up here, but I think when you're in it with a couple or you're in it in your life to know it here mm-hmm. means that, you know, getting out of the defensive patterns and into the sadness or the grief around what it is actually touching in you or the fear. And so we try to protect ourselves unconsciously from that by placing blame on the person that we think is causing us pain when we all know that the pain lives inside of us. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, I do have a big question because this is also bringing stuff up of clients that I'm working with. And it's really nice to hear a different perspective, right? Like I only have the lens that I, you know, have been trained to look through, but this is helping, helping me to broaden it. But if I'm going to ask that my clients do hard things, meaning begin to shift their thinking from blame of their partner, you're triggering me to this is awakening something inside of me, pointing their finger at themselves and getting curious about what's going on. That's painful. That is hard, hard work. And I'm trying to figure out how do I get you to do that if the world is unsafe, if this relationship is unsafe, if you're feeling unsafe. Um, My first train of thought or is I need to create safety in order for you to begin to do hard things and look inside of yourself and begin to uncover what it's awakening for you. But I'm curious, how do you begin to shift somebody that's so, I guess, uh, attuned to, you know, blaming their partner, you're triggering me to then doing the hard work for themselves. Yeah. And I, listen, it's not black and white. Like, um, Amago would say 10%, but like 20% of it is happening in the here and now. Um, you know, and sometimes I explain some of the neuroscience behind this to help them understand that, that this is really big and it's happening now and I can validate that for you. Mm-hmm. But have you felt like this before? Mm-hmm. And can we connect that to your past? And you're absolutely right. If you don't have a felt sense of safety with your therapist in the room, your implicit your access to your implicit memory blank bank won't be there. But often what I see, at least in in couples counseling, is that your partner is the best catalyst to get to the older stuff. Mm -hmm. And if you can start to share, like you not taking the garbage out or you missing date night or you doing this, it's bringing up all this pain. And if I really trace that back, it's a feeling of like not being seen. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, as a therapist, you can say like, well, what's the earliest memory? You really don't feel seen. 
And through mirroring that, your partner can see that like your anger is so much more than just the garbage or missing the, the date night, but that it traces back to this feeling of not being seen or being abandoned or whatever the core wound is. And that theme lives in the here and now, and that they, they are not responsible for fixing it, but they are responsible for understanding it and knowing about it and building empathy around it. And sometimes making small changes because they truly understand it now. And so it shifts the blame when we start to see, well, this live, this lives inside my partner and it's lived for a long time. Can I get curious about it with myself and them and start to understand why my behaviors or why my reactions are the way they are? Mm. It's good. My wheels are spinning. Are your wheels spinning, Zach? Yeah, I'm actually in awe of, of you, mm-hmm. Jessica, and also Laura, you, just the questions that you're asking around, like, what is it, what's happening? I was just saying before we recorded another podcast before we talked to you this morning, but I was talking about how, oh, and I guess I mentioned it too. Like, I'm so, I'm so interested in getting to the kind of the solution or the, or the, the, the soothing of it that it, I don't know if I have the patience sometimes to just go, Hey, wait, what's actually <laughs> happening here? What's the, what did you say? 20% in the room? Like what, I don't know if I have the patience for the 80%. So again, I sort of have this awe and reverence for, for those of you who can kind of wade into that work slowly. Well, yeah, I totally get you Zach. And the more I did my work on my 80%, which has been over the last couple of years, even deeper layers, the more I had a capacity to be in other people's 80%. Sure, so that makes sense. Yeah. There's a mirror in there. And I think the deeper we go with ourselves, the more of our capacity. And listen, there are things that I don't have the capacity for. And I know what those are. And, you know, I can see when I'm like limited and with different um, issues. And then there are deep places where I can hold deeper space for just because I've been to that depth myself within myself. So it's kind of knowing that. And there's, it's okay. It's like meeting the client where they're at and where you're at and yeah. providing those. Well, tools. and I think for listeners who may be anxiously attached, you know, like there's hope in that, what you just said, which is when you lean into that work, sort of that 80% work that maybe isn't so you know, forward facing, it makes the forward facing part of your life that much easier, that much better, that much richer, you know, it allows you to write a book or it allows you to become successful in your practice, or maybe to have the successful relationship that you can't envision right there in the 20. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, I was, I was top down, um, in the beginning of my practice and I was very successful and that's what my clients wanted. And as I shifted, I tended to see my clients shifted Mm. and I would say my relationship is, very successful in that I keep looking at parts of myself and I keep growing. And I, it's kind of like, how do you determine success? Like is, is success, it's a, you want mutual growth, but at the end of the day, we don't always have control over that. So you hope that with your own growing, that the real, the system changes too, or that the couple is able to have that mutual growth, but growth and rupture repair and intimacy are always evolving. And I just, it's so not static. 
Can I ask a question about what gets in the way of, like you said, top down, which is I, I tend to think of Gottman as being very uh, cognitive. Uh, we don't deal with a lot of emotion. That's why it pairs so well with EFT, emotionally focused therapy and attachment going deeper. Um, but, you know, coming out of Seattle, we have a lot of engineers and it's just like it speaks to them. They love that heady work, uh, very cerebral. So. I'm just wondering what gets in the way of somebody doing some of this deeper work and being curious about their attachment or allowing the space to get curious. I'm just thinking of things that would take away from that experience of understanding yourself better. Safety. Okay. Safety. And I think that I'm a very spiritual person. Like when the safe environments show up, the bigger, more implicit comes to the surface. And I think a lot of people, I mean, top down is fine, but you have to remember it's 20% top to down. So you can cognitively work on all you want to work. If you're not working with the body and you're not working with the, the felt sense sensations, you're, you're like trying to manifesting something without having a felt sense of the experience. And so the, it, it helps because you're meeting the client where they're at, but essentially sooner or later, you want to get to the, the, the experiential piece that's living in their body to resolve some of those more implicit memories. Um, so, you know, it, it's for many years, I did more CBT and things like that. And I think Amago is a great um, tool because it does a little bit of both. Um, I, I like that mm -hmm. for tools, mm -hmm. but I don't really love it for the experience. Mm -hmm. And, um, some people who are more avoidant will want gravitate more towards that. And it's a safer mm -hmm. practice. It's a safer practice in that it doesn't go as deep. Right. And that's perfect for someone who's going to get flooded or their fear of intimacy is so big that they might struggle where, you know, EFT is even great too. I think for someone who struggles with intimacy because the therapist is kind of in between mm. um, the couple a little providing a buffer, but a, Amago is like straight intimacy. So anyone who's anxious loves the connection that that builds right there and then. So it's really finding out like which modalities right for that couple and where can that couple go? Cause we don't want to flood our clients. And, you know, I think the depth comes at the exact right time. And there's a formula between your client being ready and the, the, the cues of safety being there, the therapist being really attuned and present and that combination over and over and over again builds the container for more of the implicit memories and sensations to surface. Mm -hmm. um, Zach, I don't know if you, I, I've been doing a lot of, I'm in the process right now of becoming an ASEC certified sex therapist. And, um, and so it's taking me back to therapy school, but so much of what you're able to do, like one of the questions that I wanted to know was, can you work on your attachment style if you're not in a relationship? And Absolutely. right, because what you're doing is if you have a beautiful therapist or you have somebody in your life that you can work on your attachment with and you can feel safe with, that's where you can work on that attachment, healing that attachment. Um What's another yeah. word other than healing? Because I kind of feel like it's uh, sort of judgmental of healing your attachment. I think rewiring okay. some of your your responses. Um, I you know I think your relationship is a can be a safe haven, but I also think your relationship can bring your work up, and it's not always in your relationship where you can heal. And so, 
um, having supportive, corrective experiences mm-hmm. with people who can hold space for you that are not trying to fix you, mm-hmm. but hold you is how you start to be with more uncomfortable parts of yourself Mm -hmm. and your capacity to be with more of those uncomfortable sensations in the presence of another warm, caring person Mm. is what becomes the rewiring of your frontal cortex. How long does it take? (laughs) Yeah. How much money do I have to spend and how long is it going to take? When can I be fixed? It's funny. You know, it's funny that you're saying, and I'm sharing this with you guys. I'm learning this stuff too. And I think, you know, it's not, there's no final destinations act, but what I will say is that in my own personal journey and in the journey of some of my clients who are doing really well, there can be a point where you know, you're doing well. Like, I don't know how to describe it. You start to shift your ego state, starts to shift a little bit. And you're kind of like, Oh, I'm not blaming my partner anymore. I'm, I might pain. I'm able to be in my pain or my uncomfortability or my sensations a little more and I'm evolving. And there are days when people are more resourced and days when they're not. But I think after a while with the right support, you get to a place where you're very conscious of it. I don't know the window of tolerance, so to speak. And for those who are listening, that's your ability to get back to a baseline of calmness becomes faster. Mm. And so you reach homeostasis faster when you're activated and when you're touched and you're able to tend to that differently. So it's not that you get to this final destination, but life becomes a little bit more easy to bear in those tough situations and your top, your window of tolerance um, expands. So your ability to handle the dysregulation and get back to a place of calmness becomes faster and faster and faster. And Listen, if there was enough stressors in your life, maybe not so. And that, you know, that, mm-hmm. that, that can happen. But as you heal, you're, you're really building more, um, you know, executive functioning and ability to have more space between what's cueing you, activating you, triggering you, awakening you, and what you do about it and how you tend to it. You become more of an observer, a compassionate observer of it. So when you can start that process, and I think there's a certain point when you're in that process, and it's really hard process to like explain through words because it's a felt process, but there's a point in that process where you're like, Oh, okay. There's more to meet the eye here. I have options or I need to reach out because I want to respond this way, but I bet you there's something else going on. Like you just become more aware. Mm. Okay. So you've mentioned Imago for, we have quite a few clinicians and folks and they know that our background is Gottman method. Um, but what else is informed? Like you pulled out a book. I'm oh. kind of curious, like who has informed the way that you work with couples? What trainings have you had that really helped to conceptualize how to work with couples from an attachment lens? Um, well, I like emotionally focused couples um, therapy with yeah. Sue Johnson. Her work is great. Um, like I said, Bonnie, um, for clinicians listening, um, loving with the brain in mind, mind, but that's all about, it's about implicit, letting the implicit surface. And, um, I would say the individual work I'm doing her training now, Mm -hmm. which has been transformational. It's all about being more in the felt experience Mm -hmm. and, um, that the client has the inherent treatment plan and wisdom within them. And that if we're patient enough and our system is eventual and we're calm Mm -hmm. enough, that their, their inner knowing is also really part of this dynamic. And so 
less analyzing, less doing, less solutions, and more being with the unknown and the uncertainty of it to let that unfold as like a, almost a spiritual process too. I'm not saying that we don't have our knowledge up there, but we have access to just being with and letting moment by moment be there mm-hmm. and uh, attuned to that in such a way. So I think the work of Dan Siegel, I mm-hmm. would say interpersonal neurobiology, um, he actually endorsed my book, which was like a big deal for me. Right? He doesn't do that. He's amazing. Yeah. And science has shown, you know, about introspective. So like learning about what's going on inside your body and somatic work, mm-hmm. I think, um, not so much somatic experiencing for me, but like any somatic work around where you're locating, where your, your belly brain and your heart brain, because there's just such big brains there and there's such memory centers that are sending information. So any somatic training, Deb Dana's work is amazing. Mm-hmm. Stephen Porges' work is amazing. I think Polyvagal is in my book and I think that's been a game changer in our industry. So those, Agreed. those are the people that I'm really gravitating towards learning from and continue to learn from. So much of this aligns with just trauma work, um, but mm-hmm. putting it in the yeah. lens that is more approachable. If you are someone that is saying, I'm in a relationship, we are triggering each other, right? Using that language that they're going to use. Um, you might not think trauma, but when you begin to conceptualize it the way that you have and you're awakening something inside of you, suddenly you're falling within all of the Deb Dana, all of these folks that you've been mentioning um, fall within a lot of the work that trauma therapists are doing of healing. Absolutely. Yeah. Developmental trauma is what we're talking about. And I think the word trauma turns so many Big listeners off because yep. they our conception of, Oh, I didn't have trauma in my childhood. It's like, when your mom maybe forgot about you or didn't mm-hmm. think like in a five-year-old's world or in a seven-year-old's world, no, you didn't have traditional trauma, but it impacts you. Mm-hmm. And starting to see how these experiences have impacted you. I see Zach looking at me like, I do not, but you know, it's, they, you know, I, I came from a childhood of a lot of like neglect and uh, both my parents loved me to pieces, but they just weren't super present for mm-hmm. me. And so anytime I'm in a relationship, not even a romantic relationship or just with a friend who's on their phone a lot or flakes out on me or doesn't show up, I have to deal with what is waking up inside of me right. because people are people and, you know, and I don't pick people who flake out a ton and I, but I also am aware that they're not doing this to me. They're just, it's a sensitivity of mine when someone can't be present. I mean, my dad struggled with substance abuse. So mm-hmm. if you're on substances and you're around me a lot, I, my nervous system says, oh, this is not safe. I don't mm-hmm. know. And my adult says, this is really safe. This person's just a little drunk right now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so I know I'm conscious, but there's another part of me that's like, oh, this feels familiar. And I have to tend to her um, in those moments. So I think, you know, looking at all, not just your romantic relationships, so those are the ones that bring up, I think, the most work, but all of your relationships and looking at like your boss or your best friend who's, what are they, you want to complain about them and, if, you know, but what is it that they're bringing up inside of you to look at? And it's such a gift to kind of be able to also look at it from that lens. I'm not saying you can't set boundaries or you don't have to let this person in your life if they keep doing something that's damaging to you. But chances are it's hitting something deeper within you too. So there's an opportunity to kind of explore that. Mm. 
Wow. 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 I mean, this, I know I'm just like, I'm just going to sit here and like continue (laughs) to take your class. Yeah. This podcast. Are there ways, I mean, if Zach and I want to continue to expand just our thinking on this, like, do you teach classes? You obviously you have your book out, but, um, what else do you offer? How can folks use, utilize your brain? I don't teach to other therapists. I'm still learning and I'm still humbly learning from the masters. Um, maybe at some point in my life, I will. I am a supervisor. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do a lot of what I'm doing for other clinicians in Florida. And I offer courses, but mostly to directly to a population like anxious attached people or people mm-hmm. who want to learn about trauma bonding. I have a detox, a detox from an unhealthy relationship, but in that course, you're learning about the chemicals and all of that, but you're also learning about the trauma reenactment and where your work is. So you leave that course with something. So I mean, I've created some things online. And like I said, like you asked me in the beginning, like what sparks my joy? I think the, the where I'm moving into is eventually, and it will be a while, is helping other clinicians mm-hmm. in this way too. Um, because I am still learning and I'm giving you, you know, what I've been learning over the last year or two. And so it's not like I'm ahead of you guys or different than you guys. I'm, I'm still very much in humbly in the learning process as well. I would say, um, Bonnie has been a big influence. Dan Siegel has been, there's been a few people who have just been big influences and I'm with direct traffic to them still. And I'll let you know when you can start directing traffic for me to me. Um, I've always been like, I wanted to treat the 25 year old in me and the 30 year old in me and the 19 year old in me. And the, so like my focus has been more on treating an avatar of me, mm. but I think it will eventually shift to helping other clinicians kind of move in this direction as well. Oh, there's a lot I want to say about what you just said, but I'm going to not be a therapist. And I'm just going to say, I don't, I don't know if you need to be so humble, Jessica. I've been very impressed by you and I look forward to, um, reading your book and getting it. I actually really want our book, uh, group to read the book. There are a bunch of certified Gottman therapists would be really fun to go through and discuss it. This is just an amazing compliment to what we're doing. Thank so you. Uh, I- the book is anxiously <laughs> attached and it's coming out real soon. Mm-hmm. Yes, and really uh, they can find that wherever books are sold. And then how do they find you? Yeah. And I think that I sent over a link to give you guys when you post the podcast, which will send a direct, direct link to um, a landing page where they can purchase the book. And I'm giving away a ton of free meditations and things that they can start out nice. immediately. And I have um, an Instagram page, Jessica Baum, LMHC. You can search Jessica Baum LMHC. You'll see Relationship Institute of Palm Beach is my private practice. I have five therapists on my team and we really work as a team and we do systems work and stuff like that. So, and I have a coaching business with five therapists who are, we're coaching, we offer different kinds of services, but it helps us to reach a, a broader audience. So that's beselfful.com. And it's, it's basically so like we can help relationship issues we don't take obviously mental health issues in that in like severe mental health issues, but we do coaching virtually out of the state through that practice. Um, and then psychotherapy in the state at the relationship Institute. And we, we are a team. And that's one thing, like I, I find that having that team approach has really helped me with the couples work Mm -hmm. because we're able to really see it through many people's lens Mm -hmm. and pull in a lot of support that way. So 
yeah, my life is all about letting in the right support. And it's been internal and external for me and through my practice and the book and everything like that is just about, you know, letting in the right people and knowing that you don't have to do anything alone and healing surely does not happen Mm -hmm. alone. And this work doesn't happen alone. It's about connecting with the people who can really help hold your hand while you're going through these, um, this transformation constantly. Yeah. You were speaking the truth. I uh, was just watching Emily Nagoski and her sister um, do their TED talk. I mean, I've seen it a million times, but they end basically saying you were not meant to do this work alone. And Mm. I just I really think that that resonates with doing your attachment work does not happen alone. It could happen with your partner, but it also could happen with your therapist or with a loved one that really cares about you that can give you that safety. Yeah. I appreciate you. know it's so funny. Thank you. I wrote this book and I was like, oh, a self-help book. What an oxymoron, right? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. How am I gonna make this book uh a healing? And so in the book, you I am with you as the author. I am with you. I speak us together, and there's a lot of we are doing this together. So you have a relationship with me, and throughout the book. I push the reader to bring what comes up to a supportive friend, non-judgmental, warm therapist or coach who really knows what they're doing so that you know that it's not about grabbing a book and healing yourself. You don't cultivate self-love through a book. Mm -hmm. You cultivate self-love, maybe what comes up through the book, through the healing relationships in which you can then work through those issues with. So yeah, it was, that was a huge shift for me. Cause I was like, how am I going to do this? Like, mm-hmm. and so you do as a, as a reader, you do really feel connected to me. I'm with you every step of the way. And you're really encouraged to bring this to other coaches and other therapists. So I would love, I can even give your group like a downloadable, um, you know, I would free love offer around there if they were willing to read it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe we'll have you come in if you have more time and just like we can pick your brain a little bit. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jessica. I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Yeah, I'm glad we made this work. Um, Yeah. And uh, we'll definitely point people in your direction. I definitely will finish the book that I've almost done. And then, um, yeah, I I have a lot to learn in this area for sure. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad to have a helpful guide. (laughs) We we all do. You're not alone in that. So. Thank you for getting through some of it because I know you guys just got it. And yeah, thank you for supporting me and having me on. Of course. All right. Well, let's go ahead and land this plane. Thank you, Jessica. We'll see you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Marriage Therapy Radio. I was so impressed with Jessica. I just, um, boy, is she humble. And if I knew all the things that she knows and was able to communicate the way that she communicates, I would be a lot less humble. Um, But I've already started following on Instagram. Um, It's Jessica Baum, L-M-H-C. So you can follow her along with 68,000 of her other followers. Um, And then also check out the book. Really excited for that to be coming out. Um, You can take a look at our show notes. We have links of ways to find Jessica. You can also go to beselfful.com. Thanks so much for all of your time and your attention, making your relationship better today than it was yesterday. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.